that's no moon. It's a space station. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Just a quick reminder, tickets are still available for our conference, Rebels of Disclosure, next year, May 13th through the 16th in Grafton, Illinois. Once again, uh, rebelsofdisclosure.com is where you can find all that information. Every ticket comes with a live stream pass. There's meal plan options, live stream options. There's day passes. Um, we're really looking forward to it. We have a great lineup next year. I keep wanting to say this year. I get these these conferences. It's amazing. We're already on oh, the third be. one. Yeah. Almost be this year. So, uh, yeah, if you guys are interested in joining us out in Grafton at our conference, we would love to see you there and uh, grab a ticket, rebelsofdisclosure.com and Hopewell Farm CBD. They have a promo code going through the first of the year, JTT new, I think. <laughs> that promo code will be, be in the description, but it gets you 15% off, gives you 15% off all of their products. And if you're looking to try a new CBD, uh, their CBD oil and topical ointments are are the best, Phenomenal. in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they uh, when they grow the plants, they're setting the intention the whole time. It's all done. Very, It's a very energetic, spiritual process. So uh, we love their products and we highly recommend them. Uh, that information is in the description below. But tonight we are joined by Deborah Thunderbeat, who is a musician, composer, sound healer, teacher, author, visual artist, and an ET experiencer. There's so many stories and so many things that you've experienced, Deborah. Uh, I don't even know where to start with all this, but you have right. quite you have quite the experiences to share. And I think it's so beautiful. You you've written four books now. Aaron just read your second book, and he was sharing. He was taking pictures I was, of. <laughs> of pages I was constantly sending screenshots me. of pages in the book and send it to him <laughs> but what's interesting about that is you know he was just sending me interesting stuff that you know he he thought that i would be interested in and i could once i was reading it you you only send me like one or two pages and then i would be like no where's the next page yeah. <laughs> like there's all these cliffhangers uh, wow <laughs> so, you gotta I, get the book you yeah read the book. right i, I know a lot i people couldn't put it down that was just beautiful when i heard that or hear that but yeah. we can start from the beginning if you like. I'm yeah, yeah. So you yeah, absolutely. You've been on a number of shows. Uh, Carrie Cassie, you were just recently on with Michael Sala. You knew Dolores Cannon. You had a session with her in the past. But your experiences started at a young age, a very young age, maybe age four. Was it four years old? And maybe we can start there and uh, just let our audience know how you kind of fell into this, and and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Well, I was four years old, playing in the driveway, broad daylight, and a ship came over and it was cloaked in a cloud. And so when you see some of these clouds that look like ships, I'm telling you, I see them a lot now that I know. Um, but it actually came over me in the daytime and it pulled me up into the ship. And as it was pulling me up into the ship, my mother ran out of the house trying to catch me and they pulled her up too. So that's really where the whole story begins. And I didn't remember everything. I remember coming back and I remember floating in the air, actually tumbling in the air. Like we're talking 30 feet. And, and I was going back towards the driveway where they picked me up. And I said, oh my, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hit my head. 
and hurt myself. So I need to land on my hands. Now I'm, I'm moving in slow motion, not your normal. So I said, oh, I need to land on my hands. And soon as I said that, I flipped around really fast and landed on my hands. And my cat was there and jumped about 10 feet in the air and because I must have came out of nowhere and and uh, scared the hell out of it. And uh, my mother runs out of the house. So and she goes, where have you been? I've been looking all over for you. I was ready to call the police. And I'm like, I've been right here in the driveway playing, mom. So that's all I remember till I got the regression with Dolores Cannon many, many years because I always like all my life coming. What was that? And I've asked so many people and they always said, well, it sounds like you had a divine experience with God. And I'm going, well, I think it's a little different than that. And so when I had the experience uh, regression with Dolores Cannon, which took me a year to get a session with her, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was yeah. so booked up uh, and I had to go to Arkansas. So <laughs> I said, fine, I need to know what happened. So so when I had the regression with her, uh, I, it was actually like a, almost a four hour session, it seemed like. And then um, I went through a couple of different uh, situations, which I've had many. So we only had time for maybe two. And so what happened, they brought me up into the ship. They put me on a silver table, rolled me down this hallway and they were doorways or rooms with many rooms with open doorways and each one had a different color. They're all lit up different colors. And then they put me into another room and they shined golden light onto me. And they said, my name, you said, your name is flying Eagle with many wings. And I said, what? I said, that sounds native American. I'm half native American. So I asked my uncle, I said, you know, I, you know, just got the session and they said that uh, the, the star family called me fine Eagle with many wings. He goes, where do you think we get our names from? We get them from the star people. And I went, Oh, <laughs> right. that makes sense. Yeah. That makes so, sense. so that was pretty cool. I thought I was like, okay, but you know, I didn't know that we, um, we don't talk about that a lot. And, and, um, I hate to say, but, you know, a lot of my uh, Native Americans don't share a lot with the white men because they don't trust them. Right. That, you know, I can't yeah. blame them there. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. And uh, you mentioned the clouds being an alien cloaking device would make them appear as a cloud. Did, is this something they shared with you or did you find this in the through the regression? Did you figure that out or was that something that you realized in real time while you were being taken? Well, no, I, yeah, in the regression, because I was going through the same experience and they, when they were pulling me up, there was steam coming out of the ship, creating the cloud. And it was like actually making the steaming noise, like, shh. and it was making, surrounding the cloud, how they, they maneuvered it. I don't know. Um, so they cloaked themselves in clouds or they make their own clouds and cloak them. And they're, when you see them, I see them now that I know, I see them almost everywhere. I can feel them. I can feel the energy of them. And I go, oh, yeah. there's a cloud ship. I call them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen many. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's really interesting because we always hear about the cloud ships and people look up, oh, there's a cloaked craft, you know, but 
I've never heard them described or the technology described the way you describe it. So that's that's a that's right. a first, and it makes sense. Like it's an actual cloud machine that's performing a real cloud, and it's not just an illusion. Yeah, and they're cloaking themselves. Um, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, if you don't know that, and you just and a friend says, "Oh, there's a cloud ship," it's like, "Yeah, right, sure." You know, they, they wouldn't even believe you half the time. You know. <laughs> So that was that was age four. Then what was the next experience after that? Um, it wasn't for a while till, um, let's see. I got I had a lot of missing time. So, and it's usually the missing. I noticed the missing time. It's always usually two hours. And um, the next one that I was really prominent was when I moved to Florida, Sarasota, Florida, and that's actually. Uh, considered a stargate down there they have in sarasota florida they have a huge crystal uh rim out in the ocean it's huge it's all quartz crystal and um people would say oh it's a stargate i'm like oh whatever you know and one as i when i moved down there i had my dog sheba which i love dogs and uh, they wouldn't allow dogs on the beach. So I would sneak her down at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> and she's a lab. She loves water. So we'd go and play till sunrise, you know, and about the second time I did that, I was missing time. It was all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, it seemed like I, it was sunrise and I'm like, and I couldn't find my dog. And I always have my eyes, keep an eye on my dog. So I'm going, what just happened? And I'm going, Sheba, Sheba, where are you? She was like a mile down on the beach, way down. I said, how can I not just see her or lose her for that long? And that was part of the part of the second aggression or regression, I'm sorry, um, where they took me up into the ship. And um, I don't know if I put that in the book, but uh, and they were downloading me all kinds of information. And I just didn't remember it till uh, I guess what they do is they download your information and then it triggers later with a certain person that you know, I meet that I don't know. But when I was up in the ship, they I thought I said I was wondering who they were, and they were the Andromedans, mm. and they're totally positive beings. The first one was my star family from Sirius A. And they were re reminding me my mission. So every color, they had all these rooms of color. They work with color, light, and sound. And when I started working with color, light, and sound, I didn't remember from my star family, but I've been doing that all my life. Like I've known it all my life, you know, kind of came in. And then I, that was like confirmation. It was like, oh, and there is, I, they, they're talking to me now. <laughs> <laughs> they want me to say, I have 14 CDs out and they're all activational and lots of sound healing, healing, uh, five different kinds of sound healing CDs. But this one I wrote is called Cosmic Awakening. And while I was writing it, they came in and said, you wrote this before you even got on Earth that you got wow. here. And I said, that's what I said. I said, wow, because wow. it was a whole different kind of music that I've never written before and are actually kind of never heard and all these star like the names of them came in like these different planets uh like Sirius and uh Andromeda and 
um, you know, I don't even remember uh, Palladians. And so there are like music from different star families, I call it, you know, and they said, yeah, you wrote this before you got here. And that was actually after I have a recording studio after uh, writing that the writing wasn't wasn't hard. It was the mixing that was hard because <laughs> when you mix, you got to listen to every tone. I was actually leaving my body while mixing it because I couldn't get grounded from the tones of the music. And I'm going, whoa, it took me the longest to do to mix that CD out of all my CDs. I think it was like seven, eight months, which is a long time. I usually can get it done in 30, 40 days. Uh, And I'm like going, whoa, okay, this works. Don't drive with this CD. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good morning. Um, can you tell the story? So you're a drummer and you were talking about how back in the seventies, you were starting to play drums and you were just almost instantly amazing at it. And back then things were a little bit different than now. And you said a lot of, a lot of you audition for things and they like, girls don't play drums and all that stuff back then. Right. And that was, you know, obviously that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, but um, but the yeah, people that, that would listen to you that were really impressed are like, wow, you're amazing. You're better than almost anyone else I know. And you end up joining bands. If you mind telling that story. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I moved down to New York City, I'm from upstate New York. And I moved down there because because uh, uh, upstate New York, they, yeah, they were totally rejecting me. My friends from high school and junior high and actually elementary school said, oh, if you girls don't play drums, are you into that woman's lib stuff? I said, I don't even know what that word means. I just love playing drums, you know? And so when I moved a friend of mine, she's a singer down to New York City. I said, oh yeah, this is my my more my spot because everybody's more open-minded. But it was still a lot of restrictions there. I had to talk my way into auditions. Uh, they said, well, you're a girl. When I'd call, you know, you're a girl. So I said, well, while you're auditioning, won't you just put me in there? I said, that's the way I got in. And uh, so, and they, they would tell me that, Oh, did you know you just blew away 60 drummers? I said, what? They said, I thought they're just being nice to me, but I found out later they were, they were right, but they would never take me because I was a girl. And, uh, but they made excuses like, Oh, well, then we have to get another room, extra rooms for you and extra this and extra that's going to cost us a lot on our budget. So I said, well, I must, they're just being nice. And I just thought I wasn't that good. And I didn't, I took it like very personal. But I found out later from the people that the drummers that got the audition for those that they heard about me, they said, I heard you just blew away 60 guys. You know, I'm like, really? And I did used to rehearse. I used to practice six to eight hours a day. I was so into it. Um, And uh, when I finally got gigs, uh, you know, I even got turned down by, uh, Gladys Knight. She goes, no girls, she, a girl drummer. No. And she's a girl. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? It's a different time back then. Right? Yeah. Now it's like more, of course, more common. I see some of these girls are like, I go, yeah, girl, right on. You know, they're just really good. Right. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned, well, in the interview that I watched, you were told that you were from the future and like throughout your life, throughout your life, you would have experiences like the TV looked too big to you. You thought it should have been a flat screen and, and just weird things like that. So that would align with what you were talking about, like having written that music before you even came here. It's like you, you already had this future awareness of our civilization. Can could you give some of those examples? 
Yeah, well, that was one of my regular TV with the tube. I kept going, I kept looking at the back of the TV going, why is this so thick? It should be like a flat, just thin piece. You know, and that was like in the 70s or maybe even 60s. I can't remember. Um, and um, well, I found out from my star family that I volunteered to come here to help, you know, help uh, awaken people to new ways and and the light. And the, with the, like I said, I work with the color light sound, expanding people's awareness. Because um, what has been happening for thousands of years is kind of uh, everyone on earth is going around and around in circles, repeating the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. we got to get out of this rut. And before we destroy the planet, I was worried about them destroying the planet, especially with the nuclear weapons they have, uh, you know, designed. And my star family says, well, we dismantled them. So they're one of the people, star Syrians, that, that dismantled them. But he, they told me other star systems uh, dismantled them too because they want to make sure that we don't blow ourselves up. You know, and the military, what's funny about the military, they go, oh, they're, you know, shutting down our weapons. They're going to attack us and kill us, you know. This they see is it as a threat, right, right. Yeah, they're a threat. And it's not that at all. They're, no. they're not violent and we're the threat to ourselves and they're trying to stop that threat and right. to them as well and many other civilizations that have nothing to do yeah it's it's but, but you know when you're a hammer everything you see is a nail like that whole you know it's like the military sees anything it can't control that's doing things out of its as a threat or shutting down its own stuff as like, oh they're going to attack we gotta you know right exactly so no, they they if uh, we blow ourselves up, it will have a ripple effect throughout the solar system, and the galaxy, and even part of the universe. So it really affects everything, right. and they don't realize that. Um, you know, the the military or whatever doesn't realize it's really huge, uh, huge, and they and, and and they've been destroying the planet. I mean, come on, it, it's polluted. It's so polluted that when I was up in the ship, I could see the earth and it was full of brown smoke. It wasn't what they show us, okay? It's not what they show us. It's really polluted. It's very bad. So they actually told me that they had, they've helped clean it up. And they said, if we didn't help clean the earth up, it would be a dead planet. And they showed me a black piece of charcoal. So they have been helping. They said, we can only interfere if you, you know, destroy yourself, you know, so we stop because we, it is a free will zone where they can't just come in and and do this work without, you know, somebody asking, you know, permission. We have to ask for help. Right. Yes. But they said, you know, we're going to make sure that, you know, we can we can come in and help make sure you don't destroy yourself, you know. I have heard that, too. And I don't maybe it was Dolores Cannon's book, but I have heard that like they there's certain circumstances uh, that where they can intervene if it's if it's necessary so yeah and i i mean that's that's interesting that so you were on the craft and you saw not this blue beautiful planet that we see on google earth you, it was all smog and pollution yeah mm -hmm. it was the best way i describe what it looked like was uh brown uh smoky clouds mm. I mean, that makes sense, <laughs> to, to be honest. Uh, Were you, do you think you were seeing like the energy more than like the physical? Like, was it 
you, that was like physically yeah. what it actually looks like. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on what's happening right now? Like we're being bombarded. It seems like with all this dark energy, you know, they're they're throwing everything they have at us. And I know you're in communication. Like, what is your opinion? And what are they telling you about what they see and what you see is actually going on right now? Okay, well, this is the uh, call it the dark side. Uh, this is their their last days. You know, mm. you've heard about the end days. This is their end days. Okay, seriously, right. and they are trying everything they can to you know keep the planet the way they want it or keep it, and it's impossible because the frequency is raising so high. It's going to be raising to the a frequency where they can't even handle living yeah. in. It would make them sick and right. they can't survive. Okay, because unless they raise, but the, many of them will not. Yeah, many. First stories about many of them have flipped to the light now, and I'm sure that's true as well. But most yeah. of them probably. Yes, actually, um, I do clearings, and uh, and when I do the clearings of the negative entities from people, so, some of them have thanked me. They said I was caught in this web, this circle, and I couldn't get out. And I send them to the light. And they go, oh, my God, thank you so much. I didn't know how to get out of that, mm. you know, that circle of, yeah. um, of darkness. So, so yeah, some a lot of them have thanked me. And well, I'll say right now, uh, probably about 20%, which is pretty good, actually, you know, that want to go to the light, you know. And and um, wanted to say to, uh, yeah, th there was another planet in our solar system called Meldek. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, yeah it's the asteroid belt now. It's a, it's the asteroid belt. A lot of people don't know that. Even science, well, I'm sure they know, but they won't admit it, you know. They won't admit it. Uh, or science. Yeah. <laughs> They're keeping so much from us. But, yeah, so that they blew themselves up, and they don't want that to uh, happen to us, you know. And that, that caused chaos. Um, I mean, they even told me that it was a red, luminous planet. It was the most brightest planet in our solar system and like i said it was red and when it exploded it made mars red red mars was not red mars was not red it was coated with the dust from meldek and the big scar on mars is from the explosion of meldek i was just going to say that one whole side of mars looks like a big explosion happened and that's what I've heard the same thing. It's from that explosion. That's why oh, that's really? there. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I've heard that from yes, other sources. So you're not, yeah. That's I've also heard, I've heard that a theory that it could, uh, it looks like a mining operation also, but it may, if it, it's it probably from the remnants of uh, Meldek. So, yeah. so obviously they're, you know, we're being, you know, they're throwing everything they have at us right now. And you mentioned uh, in a previous interview that, um, they used your heart. They use our hearts to lower our vibration. And can you expand on that and how they're actually doing that? Because I, I agree with that. And I think that is the ultimate weapon. Well, with with uh, the frequencies off the cell towers, I mean, they it's a heart. Mm -hmm. And the, I can I can hear it. You know, I when I know when they turned it on last night that they turned it on at seven o'clock. I always look at the clock. I was like, there they go again, you know, and um if you use music music and go to sleep with music it, it won't affect you it will actually cancel it out that works 
because otherwise you wake up, you, you wake up foggy headed and tired. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's every freaking night they do it. I mean, I don't care where I am. I've been all over the United States and they're still doing it. I, and I was just overseas. I don't hear it as much over there, but they do chemtrail in Europe everywhere. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another thing I'm going to say. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, plus, plus Meldek. I wanted to tell you that Jupiter, the, the red lines of Jupiter, those are from Meldek, the dust from Meldek too. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Which interesting. Was, I thought was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I in actually, the, in the book, oh, sorry, real quick. In the book, you talk about how every chakra vibrates at a different frequency and they, they intentionally beam frequencies to disrupt each different chakra. So the sacral, the root, the heart, they all have different frequencies in there. They're intentionally beaming uh, disruptive to each one of those. Yeah, it's uh, they were using D a lot. I haven't checked. I usually can take my tuning fork to find out what key they're using. And Mm. here it is. If they're playing a key, let's say that they do, they play the same key for eight to 10 hours. It's going to it's going to blow up that chakra. It's going to it's going to like dismantle it. You know, it's going to. Uh, really mess it up so a lot of times if it's d that's your sacral chakra that's your emotion so people can either go crazy or uh get stuck in their emotions or uh don't have any emotions i mean it affects people everything everybody differently so but yeah and they they don't change it they just keep that same tone all night long and um so you know, it, like like I said, if you play music and go to sleep to music, you know, with headphones or, or your TV or whatever, it's fine. It really shuts it down. It really cancels it out, which is good. You yeah. know, it's interesting because I misheard you on that interview. I thought you said they use our heart to to lower our vibration, which they do. They create, you know, situations. They create heartbreak in every aspect. They attack the heart. They attack right. the heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's always it, all the situations is, you know, nobody's really, no one, no one understands what true unconditional love is, but you know, whenever we start to feel it and it seems like it's ripped away from us. And I think a lot of the dark forces are behind some of the heartbreak that we experience. And that oh, also yeah. keeps you in a lower vibration. So that's what I thought you meant, but it is just as true, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, every every place they, I don't know how why how why or how they choose the certain keys. Certain places are the key of G, the throat chakra, so that shuts down your your uh, being able to speak your truth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and your communication. Can't communicate with people. Uh 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 uh. You know, right. it, so it shuts that down. Uh, I guess you know certain areas. I uh, in uh, Mexico, see, or New Mexico, they talked about the hum there. And that was in the key of E, which is your soul, your your soul, your your uh, main purpose, your personal power. And it was loud. It's the loudest I've ever heard it. I mean, everyone could hear that one because a lot of people don't hear the other ones. And I, I was there and it was all night long and it was messes up people's personal power, your self-worth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So every, because these are all but the chakras definitions are you know and that's why i work with the chakras and the chakra journey it's very 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 important um to be fully activated and that will expand your awareness and you know 
remembering who you are helps you remember all kinds of uh, your gifts and you're remembering who you are and why you're here. And, um, and every chakra is very important. There's a lot of people, I live in Sedona, a lot of people go, oh, I just like the higher chakra so well. And they're very creative, but they can't seem to manifest anything. And that's why you need your root chakra activated to, and the root chakra connects with the earth so you can manifest things and bring them to earth. So it's very, very important to have all your chakras work together as, and they work together as ones. So every single one is important, you know, as the system. Um, yeah. So how do you think they're actually emitting that frequency through the 5G towers, satellites, the harp stations, like in Alaska and Antarctica? And like, I mean, are there all of the above? Or do you, I think it's, I think it's the towers. I really do. Cause I can hear it coming from that side of my house where the towers are. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, I agree. I, I know those towers, like I can look at them and it, you feel sick almost just when you look at them I and mean, you're just being around them. I just can't. I just can't take it. I know in my heart, in my soul, that that is not, they're no good. Well, here's something funny. I was out hiking here in Sedona and they had a, um, I don't know, some kind of shed on the land. It looked like it was uh, locked up, but they had, you know, those drums they put on the towers. I call them drums, yeah. circles. Yep. I call them drums. Yep. And they, they had one, like they had one in the shed and it was outside the shed and it was open. And it was a big speaker inside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, hello. Yeah. Frequency. That's yep. the. Um, that tone out. Why? Why you don't need. You don't need that to. to You know, for Internet or, you know, you know no. what I mean? Cool. No. Correct. And it's the same technology. If, if you research the voice of God or voice to skull technology, it's the same. Those drums, it's a similar thing. And they can actually use that to beam voices in the people's heads too and they can make them hear things and see that. Mm -hmm. um and they apparently use um homeless people as guinea pigs and and oh. uh, that's why we a lot of the homeless people you see them talking to themselves they're not actually they're being they're being used as a lab rat and there's they're oh, testing wow. this technology on them they use mka ultra along with that and and a lot of these like false flags that we see are done by it's like every single person uh, you'll you see them say, I was hearing voices. I was hearing voices. I was hearing voices. They were right. telling me to do this, um, things like that. Right. Yeah. Well, That's use discernment. Is. This is very important. Use discernment. And if anybody tells you anything negative and what a negative thing to do, you know, don't just stop. That's a negative voice. That's a satanic voice. That's an evil right. voice, evil agenda. No, you have your own mind. Don't let them can take over your mind. Right. They're, right. It's intrusive thoughts right, right. And is the, what I call them. Yeah. Yeah, because I've heard the stories. Like, well, they told me to do it. It's like, don't you have your own mind? You know, that's not right. Then don't do it. Basically, demons, demonic entities. And Aaron, like you, you talked well, a little bit about that. You froze for a second, what? Aaron. Uh, Aaron, froze for, you froze for oh, a I second. Froze. Um, you're back now. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So okay. going back to kind of some of the stuff that they told you about the times right now. And like, it, it feels like. Um, everything that they're everything they're doing is ultimately going to backfire and i don't see it you know they they're showing us what they want to do and they're telling us what they their plans are because they have to tell us but i don't see just like they're shooting themselves in the foot every step of the way okay let me correct that because a lot of people say that that they think oh if we tell you they won't get karma no they tell you so you actually help them manifest that 
Right. So when they tell you, oh, we're going to do this, and it's like, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, you're giving it energy. You're giving it, you're manifesting it with them and for them. So don't. So that's another thing. It's like, you know, I tell everybody, stop watching the lies and on the media. You know, I'm going to tell you, there's 80%, I'm going to say 70 to 80% light here on the planet. We just see the dark. So we think the whole thing is dark. We think everything is dark and it's not. We got only 20, 20, 30% at the most darkness. And it's a small group, right? You know, as a small elite group that is taking over the planet. But no, it's only because they control the whole media. You know, look at all the movies. They're all, you know, right. doom and gloom, if you ask me, you know, fighting and war. And oh, here's the, you know, the saviors, and they're all fighting. It's always war constant they so want you, they want you focused on that right so then you're feeding into you're helping to manifest it like you said they're they control the media and all things that you're seeing on the screens and hearing on the radio and seeing on the internet everything and blah, blah, blah. not just not just if you don't turn watch it off stop feeding it that's it yes. so yeah anything they're saying you know, just tell them anytime you hear them say we're gonna do this just say cancel that now and that's our power we can do that yeah yeah i mean just be Absolutely. very in your power. And now is the key word. Cancel that now. Right. And and you're 100% right. They need us to co-create their reality because they know our manifestation abilities and they don't have those abilities because they're not in their heart. And so they need us to create that reality for them. So when we cancel now, you know, or do not consent, that is taking our power back. And it might not seem like it's doing anything, but it really is. Energetically, it has a lot more power than we probably can perceive. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, so if everybody starts thinking and knowing, knowing to think that way, they'd be gone in an instant, you know, they'd be dismantled and, and it's going to backfire on them. It's already backfiring on them. You know, things are already have backfired on them. You know, they wanted to start right. World War Three a long time ago. And, you know, all these things are lies. I mean, Russia, they were uh, Ukraine, they were blowing up their own buildings and, and telling everybody that's Russia. Right. 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 Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Yes. And telling people that there weren't bio labs and there were and all the other. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. there is bio labs. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. But they're like, no, no, no totally not. And. They're like, oh, wait, actually, yeah, there are. Yeah, Don't I, look at that. Nothing to see here. You know, <laughs> don't worry about that. There is some international news I watch, you know, because it's totally different than America. And like they said, that Palestine came in and chopped off the heads and did all this gross stuff. And they said that yeah. was all lies. Yeah. Lies. Yeah. Lies. Yeah. To make everybody think bad about the Palestinians. And they said they didn't do half that stuff. It was. Israel again bombing, wanting to take over the land, you know, to yeah. have it all to themselves and do right. what they want, which they have, you know, agenda of uh, building, you know, a uh, by the Suez Canal. So why do you have to kill people to do that? You right. know, why don't you just go, hello, I'd like to do this. What do you think about that? Can we negotiate? <laughs> well, yeah. Hello? Right. You know, simple as that. Uh, it was a Will, William Cooper said in, I think, like 90, 1992 and probably even before that, um, he's like, the, the created modern day state of Israel has nothing to do with Jews or Judaism. It has everything to do with they needed an excuse to start World War Three, like you just said. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. they were using that as the excuse to start World War Three and do all these and, false flags. And, yeah, and fake the revelations and, you know. Um, right, fake. Yeah, exactly. And, well, and I think it was Israel was created in 1947. So could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, um, getting back to some of your experiences, uh, there was one story you told where you were driving and you got lost and you ended up at this restaurant and you actually realized that you might have been on a craft. Can you tell that story? Because I find that very fascinating. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I was at, actually at a UFO conference and I met this guy, Jim, and I just knew him like immediately. Like, what do I know you from? Your long lost family. And he just smiled, like smirked. And I'm like, and then we, you know, I met him. He was there and um, he had a table. Anyway, him and his mom, and he goes, oh, come over for dinner. So I, he goes, it's only 30 minutes to get to my house. I said, all right. So I driving, driving, and long story short, I was about two to three hours to get to his house. And, but there was only one road and he said, go over the bridge and take a right. While I'm driving this one road, there was no bridge, no bridge anywhere. And all of a sudden the road started repeating itself. It started repeating. It started going the same curve, same tree, same curve, same tree. And I'm like going, what is going on here? I was in a hologram, I found out. So I was trying to use my cell phone. So the cell phone didn't work. And to call him going, where the hell am I? And then I see this restaurant bar and they had a payphone out front that was in the 90s. And I said, oh, let me call him on the payphone. Well, the payphone didn't work. I'm like, oh, this is like Twilight Zone. So I'm in this parking lot and it's the sign of the restaurant said open but there's not one car in the parking lot. Okay. So I walk in and the place is packed, right? Where is everybody parking mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere? With I mean, no I cars in the parking lot, no cars. And there was no houses for miles. Right. And I'm going, okay. So, and the place is like I said, packed. And then I, so I asked the bartender, I said, is I'm looking for the bridge. Is it back this way? And everybody looks at me and goes, turns around at the same exact time and nods their head. Yes. Just like that. And then these two guys were talking and they were look, they sounded like they were talking about quantum physics. And I said, well, maybe they were at the UFO conference. I don't know. And uh, he goes to the other guy, he goes, do you think she knows where she is? And I heard him and I said, no, I don't know where I am because I'm looking for the bridge. Well, they didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah. They meant something totally different, that I was on the ship. Do you think she didn't, you know, she's on the ship? Yeah, he said, and, just, uh, do you think she knows where she is? Right. That's what he yeah. said. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, I don't know where I am. But, uh, but he meant like, oh, yeah. Like, I, like no. Yeah, she's on the ship. So I was on the ship. I was in a hologram. That's how that ended up. And I went, I finally went over back, turned around, went back and found the bridge. The bridge was almost almost a half a mile long. You could not miss this bridge. Okay. And so I went over the bridge, went back, got to Jim's house. And by that time it was 12 midnight. Yeah. And um, so I didn't know that's all what I remembered until I got the regression from Dolores Cannon. But what was, what was interesting at Jim's house, there was this couple there. And I met the at the sitting at the table. We all sit down and sat down. And there's a guy and a girl. And I go, 
they look like the people, two, two of the people from the bar. Mm. Huh, interesting. Okay. I swear it felt like Twilight Zone. Total Twilight Zone. So they were talking and the lady goes, oh, we'd love for you to come visit us on our island. And I'm saying, well, where's your island? Because there was islands around there where I was, you know, I'm thinking regular islands. And, uh, you know, she was answering me all these questions. I said, how many people are on your island? She said 5,000. And we do work and and we have relationships and blah, blah, blah. Well, I found out the island was their ship. <laughs> yeah. I told them, well, now I got some other ideas I got to do, you know. <laughs> so, but I said, Jim, have you been on this island? He goes, oh, yeah. Well, he lives on that island. He lives on the ship. He's a worker from the ship. And they come down. They were very positive. And um, coming down here to find out what's going on and helping as much as they can. So I have met mostly, uh, I'll say 90% benevolent, loving ETs, benevolent, loving ETs. Yes. Absolutely. So how did you find, so that you met them at the conference then? That, that group. Yeah. Yeah. And so, sure. so you were, so that you're basically, that means that there's ETs that show up at these conferences and we would never tell them apart. They look exactly, exactly like us. Yeah. Yes. They looked human. Um, when I had the regression for that situation, what happened was uh, I was in the ship and they, I was I was laying down and they're doing a healing on me. So I used to smoke cigarettes back then and they were doing a healing on my lungs. It was a huge difference. And they did some kind of activation. And the person doing this was a praying mantis. He looked, I don't even know. I was laying down. I couldn't tell 10, 12 feet tall, very tall, but he's very gentle. So there's other beings there. And everybody in that bar nightclub or bar restaurant was there and in the uh, regression. And they were just and sitting on like a, like a, I don't know, like in the audience, like a theater kind of just observing what the praying mantis was doing. And uh, then they were all there. So they made it look like a whole different scene. That's what I'm, trying to say then really what happened right and it's amazing that the technology that they have i mean you're driving and you have no idea the moment you're all of a sudden on a ship or in a hologram like that's how fluid it is and we hear stories like that but i just almost i would love to understand how that actually happens um, and how they pull that off and, and keep you safe and you know what i mean and then and bring you back and i guess I guess they understand if the missing time is going to affect you or not. But if you were end up going and if you were on your way to their house anyway, so it didn't matter if you were late. Um, Well, remember when, when technology is advanced enough, it's indistinguishable from magic, right? right. To us, when we're not used to it, we're like, wow, that looks like if you were to take our technology, go back 200 years and show it to people, they would think it's magic as well. And that's just 200 years or 100 years. Now imagine thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions of years. Correct. Pure magic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, yeah, how it, they so smoothly, you know, I thought I was on the, the road. And I remember the one part I do remember, but I didn't have time to stop to check them out. They had street lights, you know, and I looked at the street lights and I did not see any poles. 
I just saw the balls of light lighting up the street. And I went, okay, that's strange. Well, I'd definitely stop and look at that, but I'm late. So, uh, but I don't, I do remember that. And so I don't know if they, everything was a hologram. I don't, as far as I know. (laughs) Right. There's subtle indicators if you're paying attention. Right. But we're not, we're not expecting that. I mean, Star Trek is disclosure. So the holodeck, that's disclosure. That's right. That's on these ships. They have that, you know, where they, Mm -hmm. you can, you think you're in this whole world and it's all hologram. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Oh man, there's so many experiences, but there was one where you you encountered a police officer who was a oh, shape, a shapeshifter. Talk about that. Like you don't? For that one. <laughs> okay. Well, if you guys want to hear that story, she told the story on a Dr. Sala interview. So and it's yeah, in your yeah. book. It's in your book, or yeah, well, got, one of them. I got, I got. Yeah. After that, I got banged um, a few a few times. Um, people. Yeah, calling me and questioning me about David Icke and the reptilians. How many reptilians do you know? And blah blah blah. And I could tell they were very dark. People calling start, you like three-letter agency people. You think? I I people? don't know exactly, but I know they start following me around. You know, I've had that. Black so. SUVs, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the that's the. Uh, they don't want anybody. Now. I was very nice to that officer, by the way. <laughs> you were right. right. You, you know, it's interesting. Oh, years I'm ago. Not so no well that that's right. good i mean if, if if you're not afraid they can't control you and, and they're powerless so exactly um years ago we did an episode uh specifically on reptilians called reptilians among us and was like you know and i i remember at that time experiencing a lot of dark energy uh surrounding that episode and i know what you mean like whenever you you, you talk too much so they don't want anybody to know yeah, they uh, just don't want people knowing. Yeah, like you said, like it's it's a huge threat to them for people to realize. What is your experience with uh, black triangle craft? Uh, can you explain some? Of, yeah, the black triangles. Can you explain what you what you were told that you think those are? Uh, they were monitor. They were definitely monitoring me, and um, saw them in the daytime. They were small. They were small triangles crafts that they didn't make any sound and they can maneuver any way they wanted i don't know if they were um piloted or you know drones um but they would follow me around and when i lived in sarasota florida and um they totally monitoring me and i have a friend uh dear friend he's native american chief he's a chief little summer he said the same thing the triangle ships are monitoring us here and he lived in Sarasota too. So, um, and I know it's very high tech, and it is from the ETs. But which ET group? I don't know. See, mm-hmm. because usually, yeah. the, um, you know, more benevolent or they're round, and the higher frequency they are, you'll see the balls of light. You'll right. see nothing, nothing physical. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's what I witnessed right. um, on March second of last year, actually. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it was pretty profound. And being in uh, Sedona, being in Mount Shasta, at East City Branch, uh, you had these different like vortex locations. You just like every night you look up and you see lights flying around all over the place. And it's like, right. yeah. you know, those aren't satellites. Those aren't planes. Those aren't, you know. They're, yeah, they, they're... they try to tell you that when you see the balls of light, those are satellites. Well, I did. And they say that. 
they, you know, the, to throw you off track. That's yeah. a lie because the satellites, we can't see them. They're too far out. And, and they said that, you know, how sometimes they look like they power up. Uh, they get really yeah. bright. The mainstream, right, they power up, they flash. The mainstream explanation is when that happens is that it's spinning and it's reflecting off of the sun at the exact like spot. But I mean, it's hilarious if you've ever witnessed it. Come up with anything, won't they? I mean, I, I really, I'm not kidding. That is their official explanation. If you're with like a skeptic, they're going to tell you that's why, that's what that big flash is. Right. So what happens when they change directions, do a 90 degree angle, reverse, right. change speeds, right. Right. disappear, appear, disappear, appear. Well, they, they won't see that most, most, most of the time. Right. So you were, um, you are, there's an experience where you were on an airplane and the tire blew out and you had to be yeah, uh, rerouted somewhere and you had an experience there. Can you share that story? Yeah, that was in Egypt. Uh, we took off from the Ashwan airport and instantly the tire blew out. It was big bang. And uh, so we had to make an emergency stop at a military airport that was pretty close. And it took us out of the plane and put us into the building there and uh, they said, uh, you're not, you guys get in there and you're not allowed to go outside, you know, until we go back on the plane. So I, we were in there for a while, but I, I looked back at the tire and it was, it was shredded. And um, in the doors that they have, it's a military, they're all guarded by guards with, with uh, rifles and everything. And so I got kind of bored sitting around, you know, after about an hour and I went out and talked to the guard and he was right by the door. So I didn't go very far. And uh, I felt total ET experiences there. I mean, I could feel the energy for some reason. I, I could feel it. I know it. And uh, and I looked over to these sand dunes and I saw a UFO or flying saucer, silver flying saucer, saucer round go over the dune. And I went, oh, that's a worker ship. And the guy looks at me, looks at the ship. He looks at me and he goes, get in there now. Go back in there and don't come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my experience. I said, oh, wow. Okay, so the workership. What do you mean workership? How does that just intuitively you knew that? Yes. Intuitively, I knew that like they were transporting things, working, they were working. It wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm coming to visit you now. Uh and right. say hello <laughs> it was definitely they were working on something transporting things i, I don't know I, how i know i just know it was a mm -hmm. workership it's intuitively yeah right mm -hmm. so you wrote a book about uh, sedona the rocks in sedona their faces in the rocks and mm -hmm. and i've seen the pictures on your website and it's undeniable and so what we're this is something that's been coming up a lot on the internet and even on our show like you know these are i don't know if you want to call them petrified giants uh, you know what's going on with these faces in the rocks but can you explain what what you understand it is well uh it all started when i moved here like 23 years ago i i'm like a, i'm part native american and my uncle would always tell me when you see the faces in the rocks, those are the ancient ones and the ancient knowledge. So I always look at rocks differently. So when I first moved to Sedona, I was like, oh, my God, look at all these faces here. So many faces compared to any other rocks. I've been to Colorado and all these other rock, you know, mountain formations. Utah. I've never seen many in my, in my entire life. 
Um, that you'd have to show some pictures to show people, but um, the um, I was very magical. What happened? Um, I think it was the third week out. I was hiking everywhere, and uh, a white flash went over my car, transported me into this whole different direction I wanted to go. Turned it, it got me into a long canyon, it's called. I wanted to go to Boynton Canyon, which is to the left, and they brought me to the right and my car they a big flash went over it transported to be there and i'd stop where to god and i'm like how did i get here i remember a white flash and i started turning around and my spirit guides or star family came in and goes go this way so i said all right show me where you want me to go so they pretty much about a mile down they stopped me right uh, after the parking lot like in the middle of the road and there was two mountains to the left and the right. So you could only see it there. That's why they stopped me there. And it was the Sphinx. And I went, oh, thank you for showing me this. This is like ancient Egypt. And that's where it all started. And now I found 14 major gods and goddesses of Egypt. Um, I found um, other cultures too. I found eight Sphinxes all over Egypt. You mean and Sedona? Yes. Yeah. They're all in my book. Mm -hmm. All of them are in my book. Yeah, you talk uh, about it in, in the Look Up book. Yeah, yeah, in the Look Up book, it was it was. I don't think it's in there. Uh, the Look Up book. You talk about the Sphinx. You talked about that story actually in that book. You said oh, you were led to the Sphinx, and yeah, you said that was later on you found more Sphinxes. First started, yeah. Mm. Um, and then and then uh, I found Kuan Yin. I got I found Ganesh. I found different cultures. So to answer your question, I'm finding out uh, from geologists because i'm looking at the faces in the rocks i'm finding out from geologists they've looked at my book and they they said uh did you know some of these are fossils because i thought they were carvings uh actually i had i do a drive tour and i had a lady on my tour that works in a mine for 15 years and she still works there and she first time in sedona she takes my tour she goes oh my god look at all these cut lines these are cut lines there are cut lines everywhere, just like in the mine. These are not natural. So that was proof to me that a lot of these are sculptures. And I really feel it's like a library here. Like they wanted to keep the ancient knowledge. And But then there's some geologists say, these five or six pictures here, I have a, like a hundred something, hundreds of pictures in the book. Uh, they, they pointed about five or six pictures. They said, these are fossils and they're huge. Their faces are like four times bigger than ours. They're like, they're giants. Yeah. And some of them are native American looking. Some are different that, uh, different. You'd have to look at the book. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can't even describe them, you know, but, but they have two eyes a nose face but they don't look like a normal, like what, what we look like. So, <laughs> so you, you're saying by fossils, meaning they were fossilized. Like it was like almost like a flash frozen petrified giant. Somehow they were frozen in stone. Somehow. Yeah. Some kind of mud fossil. They never explained to me how something like that would happen, but it's, they said it definitely fossils. And yeah. And then, so we're looking at a major ancient, civilization in Sedona or in the whole Southwest area, in my opinion, that we just mm -hmm. don't know about, right? Don't know about it. It's lost history. They, my spirit guide said it's over 10 to 12,000 years old. That's how old it is. Right. 
goes back to Atlantis times. Yeah. Atlantean times. Definitely. Cause, um, and, and, and the, and the spirits talk to me. Uh, I found Thoth in two places. He's actually one of my guides. And he, after I saw him the second time, he tells me, he goes, now find the Kings and the Queens. And I'm like, what? So he made me aware that he's talking about the Kings and Queens of Atlantis. So, and there was a flood there. I mean, there was a huge flood, remnants of a flood in Sedona. You can oh, see yeah. that's what made the rocks red. The rocks were originally white. And what there's white ones on top, and then there's red ones on the lower area. And those are iron ore based, and the water turned them red. So that's how, you know, a lot of people go, oh, is this from Mars? No, it's not. It's iron ore based. So the point is, uh, so he, so that first week when he made me aware of the kings and queens, I found three sets of kings and queens. And now in the book, I forgot how I lost out how many I found in there, eight, nine, 10, you know, they're all there. It's all, you know, I, they're all perfect visions that you can't deny it. When you look, you go, oh my God. Right. So, yeah. I mean, first yeah. time I went to Sedona, it was, it, it was just screaming at you. It was all underwater yeah. once. I mean, it was just, it's evidence of you're in the, the floodplain basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and not just Sedona, but I've been all over the Southwest and it's very similar. And there was some sort of catastrophe, cataclysm, something mm-hmm. happened um, that caused that, uh, you know, these mud fossils, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, yeah, the floods, floods, there was supposed to be two floods. I've done my research on the floods 6,000 years ago and then one about 13,000 years ago. So. Mm. They always yeah. talk about the one, but there's two. Actually, I heard there's more than that, but that's the latest two. <laughs> and right. that's where we get the the Noah's Ark story, right? And Gilgamesh and these ancient uh, our ancient texts have all have these different versions of the same like mass flood story, right? Mm-hmm. Well, right. that's where they come from. <laughs> they were real events that they you were. know gets right. passed down. They were, yeah. Absolutely. But they get distorted and, you know, the teachings get distorted right. as a lot of things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you tell your friend uh, uh, something that happened, you know, to you, you know, and then a week later he's telling somebody else the story changes already, you know? Right. <laughs> so, right. Telephone game. Yeah. So exactly. who, who knows exactly what happened, you know, unless you go into the contract records now. That's yeah. right. Right. I mean, that does happen. I've had people reach out to me after listening to one of my interviews and said, I had the same experience where you said this happened to you. I'm like, no, that's actually not what I said. You misheard me, but they heard like what they wanted to hear. Cause it was similar to what they experienced and I had to correct them. But uh, it's amazing. Like just that quick with somebody, it, it will just hear something different, even when you're passing along information, but right. um, you have experience with the crystal skulls also. And I was just recently down in Belize and I went to the original location where the really the, where the uh, Mitchell Hedges skull was found. You know, there's a lot of controversy around there, around that skull that it was never even, you know, this man made or it was a hoax. Like if you go that to that site, that's that they don't tell you that it was they say that this is where it was apparently found. It's not even like a solidified fact whenever I was asking the people on site. So uh, but I believe that it was a real crystal skull but what's your experience with those skulls well yeah the mission hedges skull is definitely from belize i've had a 
yeah interaction with that and that just transformed me like i just went into a whole different world um did you get into the temple there did they allow you in that temple in belize um which one maybe not because i the one that mitchell hedges skull was from oh no they didn't allow us into any temple i was all over that site but they i didn't know that there was even a temple to go into we got temple pyramid kind of thing well next time you go next well it was so weird because we got um we got it hadn't rained in months there and while we were on that site like the hardest rain they've experienced for i mean it just downpoured like it was almost like flash flood and we got rained out and we didn't get to finish that day and uh but it was really interesting so i didn't know that there was and what's what's even funnier is that this guy who we thought was our tour guide was walking us around the site and we got back to the main the main building and we we're like yeah your guide was nice or they're like what guide and they're like yeah the guy took us gave us a tour and he's like he doesn't work for that's not he doesn't work for us so some guy gave us this like tour of the whole site and then took money from us and but he didn't even work there it was interesting but uh, so maybe that's why we didn't find a temple but tell me about this temple well the the only reason i asked was because i was down in that area and they said that it's closed to the public you're not allowed to go in there so i didn't even uh i was probably about 20 15 20 miles away and they said no 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 one's allowed in there so i didn't bother going and i kind of kicked myself in the butt we just i should at least drove by you know but i didn't because i was so close you know but uh yeah the the skulls are um, very very activational they're total energy they have so much knowledge in each one of them the real ones there's supposed to be 13 of them mm-hmm. i think they've found 12 and when the 13 come together um I, I don't know. It's a major, they're major libraries. Let me just put it that way. And they do have energies because when I was doing a concert for a crystal skull conference with um, three or four other people, we're all sound healers actually, and musicians. And they put, they, who I say they, the owner of the producer put the, he had three major skulls there and he put them in front of the stage put a strobe light underneath them, turn the lights off and we started playing and I left my body. I was playing hand drums, standing up and I could still play the hand drums, but I could not feel the ground and I was leaving my body and I could hear everything. You couldn't see anybody in the audience because he turned the lights off, but I was just totally in two worlds at the same time is the best way I could, I could say uh, and then they wanted me to turn the light on. And I said, I can't because I can't feel the ground. I cannot do that. But finally, about after about 10 minutes, I, I finally said, okay, I can do it now. And I walked down these three stairs, little stairs, but I couldn't do it before. And I put the light on and the whole audience was out. I mean, not out, like passed out. They were totally in a different world. It, so it affected the whole audience too. That's what I'm saying. You, you said all their mouths were open and they were yeah. just like somewhere else for a few totally minutes. Like, uh, yeah. and it's like, yeah. it's like, Oh, look at that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So the, the skulls, just like probably all crystals, but the skulls in particular are record keepers. Like you said, they're a library of knowledge. And I guess if you are the right frequency, you can tap into it and, and it might be able to share that information with you. 
Yeah, that that's interesting because the uh, the rest of the band members were not affected, you know. But people in the audience, I don't know if everybody like a, a good three quarters of the audience was affected. I'm going to say that, and yeah, but the rest of the musicians weren't. I told them about it. Didn't you experience that? They said no. So I don't know why it affects just well, Mitch's Hudges skull. I I know I'm somehow connected because that's from Belize and that's where I had past life from as a high priestess. And I found that out um, at a, at a uh, conference. So, um, so there is some kind of uh, energetic connection definitely with that. So maybe that's why I got affected and some other people didn't, you know, no, likely. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, probably, you know, there's people that I know, like there's that, there's crystal skull shows and conferences, right? Like you said, and there's people that will sit with them and not feel anything. And then the other people will have this profound experience that will transform right. them. So it all depends on the individual. Right. We were supposed to be a part of a crystal skull conference in Sedona, actually in November, which Neil Gower of Porto Ascension was putting on. And then he canceled. He postponed where was, where it. was that being held? Uh, the creative life center, I believe the main, you know, venue there. It didn't, it never happened. It, it didn't uh, have, they postponed it. He postponed it to next year because he was worried about the C word stuff coming, talk coming back. He thought the, um, he thought the ticket sales wouldn't be good enough, I think. Uh, but um, we I, might be doing it next year. We might be a part of it next year. Who knows? Yeah, I know. I know Neil. Cause I, I heard he, yeah, canceled it. I was like, wow, that was quick. <laughs> I know we were bumped. Like we yeah, had bought our plane we, tickets and everything. And then, yeah. Um, I don't remember if this was in a, from a page from your book or where I, where I saw this, but you mentioned that the middle pyramid in Egypt is a stargate. Oh, absolutely. And you discovered that. Mm. How did you discover that? Um, well, I was in the middle pyramid doing a toning with this girl. We went by horseback and the, the guy guiding the horses, you know, our, our guide, uh, said, he goes, okay, well, it's a long ways back. So don't be in there long. So I said, okay, we're going to only going to be in there 10, 15 minutes. So we went in and it toned me and her toned. And then all of a sudden this female voice comes in. And I said to the girl, I said, is that you singing? She goes, no, I thought that was you singing. I'm like, okay, no. And then all of a sudden this Japanese group came in and I, my eyes are closed. Both our eyes are closed and they tapped me on the shoulder and I opened my eyes in this group. They were moving like when you fast forward a movie, but you mm -hmm. fast forward a movie. That's how fast they were going. It's impossible to move that fast. And I went, oh, OK. So then uh, he asked to take a picture. And I did. And then we, we left. I mean, we how long, you know, we'd only towed for like 10, 15 minutes at the most mm -hmm. left and went back to the where the where the horses were. And the guy started yelling at us and he goes, you said you're only going to be in there 10, 15 minutes. You've been in there an hour and a half. And I'm like, when I looked at the girl, I was like, what? No way. So we totally got missing time. I, it's not, I don't call it missing time. We were totally transported into a whole different uh, uh, dimensional time. That's what I call it. And because the, they were moving really fast. Now, when I was in the Great Pyramid, I didn't feel any of that kind of energy. I felt uh, ascension, yes. And I felt activations, yes. But it felt really solid there, like more denser, a little denser than the middle pyramid. I felt, you know, totally just take off. 
And um, I'm, and can you say real quick what you were t- told about what the king's chamber actually was and what the queen's chamber was for? The real purpose in the in the main in, in the, the great pyramid in the in the great pyramid. pyramid. I I it depends on your experience. I mean, uh, I, I mean, mean, like with the original purpose. I think in the book you said you were told that. It was an ascension chamber. The king's chamber was an ascension chamber, and the queen's was for healing. Was the original purpose? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they have a lot of purposes. It's, it's more than one. And the the uh, great pyramid is for helping stabilize the earth too, for her not mm-hmm. shifting her axes so dramatically, you know. And that's what ha- that's with the pyramids all over the earth. They're finding this so many thousands of pyramids now um, around the earth that help stabilize and connect us with our with our other uh, star family or 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 planets you know to mm. connect us and so and it was it, energy you know for energy chambers for energy um they can uh, they said in the Atlantean days that, that the pyramids could uh, actually generate energy and then transmit it to whole cities to 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 yeah. light up whole cities you know i believe that 100 yeah. percent, and and possibly even used to manipulate weather in a good way um i've heard that before so yeah in a good way right and then so whenever you had that experience of shifting into another dimension how did were you is that when you realized that the pyramid was a stargate or did that information come yeah. from somewhere else yeah i felt that we definitely went some stargate it's more of a portal opening of a portal uh absolutely and i uh, realized it then and it was totally it totally felt totally different than than the main great pyramid to me you know then uh there's other experiences i had there the next time i was uh in the great pyramid uh i brought a group and we all toned and i used the heaven and earth tone uh symbol or activational tones and um that all of a sudden tibetan monks started chanting that's the best way to it sounded everyone could hear it there were like a dozen you know that low however they chant i can't do it and there's a temple guard there they're always a temple guard they have a long robe on and they're like just uh, watchers of the of the of the pyramids and I said to him, I said, is there speakers in here? And he said, no. He goes, you, you, you just activated the pyramid. And I'm like, whoa, all through sound. Yep. Was- That's, I mean, wow. that is the key to, to all that technology is sound. Well, the sound is a technology itself. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's incredible. And, you know, one last thing that I think was from your book, whenever you left the pyramid and you were running late, the group was back at the bus and you were running late and you were taken through this door in the mountain. And can you tell that story? Yeah. Yeah. That was Abu Simbel, uh, mm-hmm. south, south, way south of, uh, uh, in Egypt. I- Nubia, I've been there. I, so I just went to Egypt back in uh, April. Carrie Cassidy led a trip that I went on. Oh, wonderful. wonderful and all yeah. the sites you're talking about, the book, I, I was like, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. We went to all those. Yeah. yeah. Every symbol is awesome. It is. Yeah. yeah. I was, they, we were running lane and they, I, we, it seemed like we just got there. And I said, no, there's much more I got to connect with here. And so the group went up and they went up on the bus. And I said, I'm staying here. I don't care. You know, we don't have nothing after this anyway, kind of thing. I need another 15, 20 minutes. And then 
the temple guard uh, said, oh, you're going to be late for your bus. You're going to be late for your bus. Go through this doorway. So I said, okay. So I went through the doorway and there was a stairway inside the mountain that brought us back up to the top of where the buses were. And I went, <laughs> I felt very E.T. in there. Um, and I felt somebody watching me the whole time, the whole, mm -hmm. like I was being observed. I, I, I felt that too. Um, not in a, like a military way. Yeah. Yeah. More like, you know, just observing my energy kind of thing. So, so I get back up there and I said to the Egyptian tologist, I said, I said, Oh, I, he goes, how did you get here? So this way, I, I said, I went through inside the mountain you know, through the doorway, he goes, there's nothing in there. What are you talking about? You can't go climb inside the mountain. There's nothing in there. Or there's there's no way to get in there. So the Egyptologists don't even know, I guess, you know, about this didn't even know. Secret, secret doorway, you know. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and also in the book, you said that talking to the Egyptologist, who was giving you a lot of the, you know, the typical mainstream narrative. Ours did the same thing. He was given it. was funny because he would give like the mainstream narrative and then Carrie Cassidy would come later and be like, all right, I think that's all BS. Here's what I think this session. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. And our group is all on that level. So we're all like, yep, that makes sense. They're not allowed to say the truth. I'm but, sorry. And you even said talking to him, he told you, he literally told you that he knows a lot, a bunch of what he talks about is BS, but he's not allowed to say a bunch of the truth because it's off. They're not, they don't, he's like, I would lose my job and I would yeah. be put in jail maybe. Yeah. So, he, they're the highest paid uh, people there is the Egyptologist and they go out of the uh, curriculum that, you know, what they've been taught for four years, then they can lose mm -hmm. their job. And uh, yeah, he didn't, he didn't like me when I was telling the group because he was, he was saying, Oh, this hieroglyph says this. I said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> he just gave me dirty looks, and I'm like, okay. So <laughs> that's funny. I mean, yeah, you're looking at, you're like, I'm like, I'm seeing a stargate. I'm seeing a ship, right? A, a spaceship. I'm seeing laser weapons. I'm seeing right. reptilian beings and all these different ET beings, giants, right. all, a computer. That is a computer right there. Like, right. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he's telling us like the stuff that we're like, come on. There's, you know. Yeah, he was saying that, oh, these are all these, the the Pharaoh's uh, life stories. I said, no, mm -hmm. no, uh, there's so much information here. Um, in Shikara, I said, oh, my God, there's tons, like, so many different levels of information. It's like a library in there. And in the Seti Temple, that was a creation story. I said, this is the creation story, I said. The Egyptologist again looks at me like, "Oh, geez." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's rolling his eyes. Yep. Well, I bring in a group in 2025 January. Um, they can go to my website in a couple, like at the end of January, I'll have that site up. But we're gonna go in January because January is the best time to go. It's the, it's, mm -hmm. it's not hot. It's very hot there. And you're, we're walking around inside the temples, inside the pyramids. It is hot. So January is perfect, yeah. 70 degrees, and it's less tourists there. Less people. Right. So we I, have right. a place to ourselves, and I love it. I just read that they uh, they canceled travel to Egypt. I don't know if it's true. I saw the, it was like a mainstream article, but right now, like all tours have been stopped for the beginning of like next year. 
Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. Um. So, is there anything? Uh, oh, oh, sorry. There's one more thing. I, if you don't mind talking about when you went to Chichen Itza, yeah. and you had and you went in an area that you weren't supposed to go in that was supposed to be off limits. Like that one. Yeah. And you saw some beings. Yeah, it was it was March twenty first, the, the spring equinox, and it's uh, it's it's roped off, and you're not allowed to go climb the pyramid. And actually, they they stopped people from climbing that pyramid. I think in two thousand six or eight or something. But this was in nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, and I said, "Well, this is my first time at Chichen Itza." And I said, "I I didn't come this far not to touch the temple or touch the pyramid," you know? Right. I'm very brave. Okay. So I said, Oh, look at, there's a doorway there. I'm going to go right in that doorway. And I said to the girl with me, uh, we were with the group. I was with a group, the shamanic group. And I said, watch my back. And she said, I went in there and she said, I disappeared before I even went through the doorway. This is broad daylight. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I said, I didn't want to be seen. Yeah. I'd be, they throw me in jail for who knows how long, you know, and never get out. So I got in there and I looked around and it was pitch black. There's no lights on. So I can use my third eye. So I used my third eye to see what was there. I found a stairway. So I went up the stairway with my third eye, not climbing. And six to eight grays, I forget how many now, uh, six grays came running down the stairway and said to me, no, you cannot, you're not allowed to be in here. Now, this is all through mental telepathy. They didn't, we didn't speak words. And they were, they looked more afraid of me than, than I was of them. They were going, no, you can't be in here. You've got to go. And they were kind of robotic, but had emotions. And I said, okay, don't worry. I'm leaving. And I backed out of there. And, and uh, the lady said, I came out of nowhere. And she goes, where'd you come from? There were, and there's thousands of people there at this time yeah. because of the spring equinox. I'm thousands. And uh, I said, well, she goes, what's in there? I said, oh, some grays are hanging out. And I'm not sure what they're doing. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. To this day, do you not know what they were doing? Or do you have speculation? Well, the, you know, the equinoxes and, and the, you know, solstice are very powerful times when the portals open for the planet, you know? Yeah. yeah absolutely. So seriously, I mean, people might not think that it's uh, real or a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, so I don't know what they were doing. I really don't. Yeah, I was there at Chichen Itza on December 21st, uh, 2021 for the winter solstice. And it was funny because the whole trip, I noticed it while I was in Mexico, I didn't see one single chemtrail. And I was telling my friend, I was like, this is how planes are supposed to look when they fly, you know? Right, and right. that day, the, on the solstice directly above the pyramid the, the big pyramid they were chemtrailing like on the solstice like over, the, over the pyramid site and i'm just like this is not a coincidence at all yeah that just happened to me this year i was in bosnia at the sun pyramid that mm-hmm. sam found where i was with him, his yeah. group and we were there the summer solstice and they were they were chemtrailing you know, while we're there, it's so polluted in Bosnia. It's in Bosnia. Mm-hmm. It's very polluted. They they have, every car is diesel there. Okay. Oh. Now, imagine the smell. Right. Okay. But now summer solstice. Oh my God. I've never seen such heavy chem trailing in my life. They were in the morning. 
uh, like, I don't even know. I got up about six. They were they already, it was M trailing for who knows hours. It was layers all day, all morning, all afternoon, all night on summer solstice. And I'm like, oh, geez, they know, you know, the portal's opening. And, and I go, you guys already covered the sky 10 feet thick. I, you know, stop already, I kept saying. And they wouldn't. They didn't. And it was sad, you know, just to see mm-hmm. that. Right. Well, well that's the... Are- Cabal is desperate, like you said earlier. They're they're doing everything they can to stop the ascension. Yeah, but even though they can't, they're just trying to delay it, basically. Now we're going into the golden age, and the, the frequency is high that they mm-hmm. can't survive in this. So they think that these these lower frequencies from the cell towers and harp and all these chemtrails and all that is going to lower the frequency. It, it lowers our frequency. Yes, it does lower the frequency. But it's inevitable for Mother Earth. She's going to be raising the frequency, and it goes connected with the solar system and the galaxy. That it's inevitable that we're being pulled up. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's isn't it the Hopi prophecy that says something along the lines of like when we see the sky um, covered in spider, spider webs, webs mm-hmm. then we'll know it's the end times. Um, so and that's that the spider like webs you? sound like chemtrails yes mm-hmm. that's true yeah you just reminded me of something one more thing i'm sorry you just that's reminded okay. me the hopi prophecy of the the red kachina so we all hear we hear about the blue kachina but the red kachina um which i believe you talked about in the book you said in t- around 2012 people start seeing a, a second sun and that's actually nibiru and that you got like a uh download of what what that was and what they were doing um if you remember that but uh but um where was i going with that yeah so they said oh yeah we we came in the times that you would call atlantis and we accidentally basically caused a bunch of earthquakes because the the magnetic um pull of their of the planet or their craft uh disrupted so they're like this time we went behind we're going behind the sun mm-hmm. and uh but now there's all kinds of people in the last i mean at least yeah. the last 10 years, there's people getting videos of a second sun of like a red, yeah, you know, and Tyler, yeah. you just shared something today on, on Instagram. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's Nibiru. I think that is something else going on that we, um, what they're kind of saying, it's the, uh, the new world sun. Wow. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> is that what the new, like the new earth sun? Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes yeah. a lot of sense Maybe right now. People are, I mean, people are filming that before to just now. So <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people are filming two sons and whether or not the footage is real or I've not, it's it. showing up on, on the internet in the past year. And I witnessed what looked like a second moon one night while I was walking my dogs and I never bring my phone with me, but it was a crescent. It had, it was like a thumbnail moon, you know, but oh, yeah. it, was, it was way bigger than our moon. Our moon was it behind blew? us. Yeah, it was what was it bluish or darker gray? It, yeah, it, well, I couldn't, it was, it was kind of cloudy, so I, I couldn't tell the actual color I, of it, but I could see it. I have a picture of one, I have a picture of that. That, really? it was, yeah, and it, it, it was so obvious, and it was connected. It was a moon, it was full moon night, and then there was another moon, and the light of the full moon shined on this other planet. I don't, it, it looked kind of like the moon, but it was bigger and it was blue. 
Yeah, and I, I do have bigger. a photo of that. If I was ready, I could bring that out. Uh, I got to figure out where that is, but it will blow your mind because I, I did take a photo of it. And I just got back from Cabo San Lucas. I've been traveling a lot this year. Nice. Uh, and I took some sunset pictures and I keep looking at the, I just started looking at the pictures uh, like yesterday or day before. And I have these pictures and I said, I know my camera is not that blurry, but I see two suns and I'm and everything else is sharp and clear. And I'm thinking it was just my camera blurring out. I don't think so because everything is sharp and clear, except it looks like two suns and I can actually send you those pictures because uh, you're not going to broadcast till later. So um, I can yeah, send you, you can show them on your site. I will send you uh, two of those pictures. I can email them to you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. If you could email them. Yeah, that'd be yeah great. I would love to see that. We'll just put them on the screen here. While yeah, we're I wish I could show them to you right now, but if it's like I got to find them, you know, in my sure tons of photo album. <laughs> well, it's OK. Yeah. Um. Man, there's a. I have so many things written down. You, I'm like, we weren't lying when yeah. you have a million experiences. So, right. I know there's so much. So wait, wait. I got. I just did a pyramid conference in uh, Chicago. You guys are in Illinois, right? Uh, well, St. Missouri, Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Oh, close. right. Oh, right on the border, yeah. though. Kind of. Illinois hmm. Well, our conference is in Grafton, Illinois, right on the other, just in the to Illinois. Oh, okay. Okay. St. Louis metro area, though, still. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a conference up in that area, kind of. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. I think I heard about that one, actually. I heard about that one. Yeah. The pyramid. Conference, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds like nice. It. Well, I guess just to keep, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And maybe we could do this again one day and get into some other stories. But yeah, um, the, um, yeah. the uh, faces in the rocks, ancient Egypt found would be a whole separate one because we need to show pictures to, people because otherwise they won't get it until they see the evidence you know or the you know the, the, it's undeniable right so, right do you I have agree. a copy of that book or no no okay no. I'll, i can email you a pdf on that so oh, oh that'd be great you. yeah so yeah. if you'd like to do another show on that because this is really big it's huge finding egypt here is a 20-year project like i said and it, it needs to get out to the world i had i will tell you this part of that story I had two archaeologists. I took them on the tour two different times, two separate times, six months apart. And the one guy, they both said, oh, my God, it is real. This is real. This I can't believe you found them all. And they're all next to each other. That's that's unheard of. And they said, yes, we'll definitely give you an excellent write up and, and testimony and all this. Well, both of them, when they got home, they said, I can't do it. I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to send you anything. It might ruin my career. Yeah, they that they don't need that Not narrative surprised. getting out. Yeah, well, yep. wait a minute. Why don't you turn it around? And go. This is going to expand your career. This is going to like mind Thank blow. You. It's like they're in fear. Right. Or how about you know humanity? Like the, the you know, right. Like we need to know this. That's your career is more important than that. You know, right. like yeah. Paycheck, but then, wait know, a minute. This could fear. blow up your career in a good way. <laughs> right. And it, it probably is. Yeah. Exactly. I'll lose any job to share the truth. I mean, that's where I'm at. Like, I, Me too. Yeah. I don't give a crap. Right. Uh, right. And, you know, we just did a, a documentary on the Cahokia Mounds that I don't know if you're familiar with, but uh, that's in Illinois, Southern Illinois. And, and Southern Illinois is known as Little Egypt, and all the towns are named after Egyptian what? cities. There's yeah. Cairo, Illinois. There's information. Illinois. I need to put that in my books too, in my my talks. I do live talks at conferences and 
I found ancient Egypt down in Mexico. I found it in they have in Phoenix. They have Little Egypt, a place called Little Egypt, mm-hmm. you know, and they well, and Lake Powell, they have found uh hieroglyphs. So they found Egypt uh, hieroglyphs there. Grand Canyon, they Grand have Canyon. All, the, all the all the uh, pyramid temples looking things on the north rim are all named after Egyptians. Of how and it's all like two hours away from each uh, from Sedona, Come right? On. But so, yeah, Southern Illinois, um, they've found t- like this is a guy named Harry Hubbard who um, he has all the artifacts. We we actually film it's in our documentary that Tyler just mentioned, our Cahokia yeah. Mounds documentary. He shows all these Egyptian artifacts. They've been dated to be proven to be 1800 plus years old. And they are Egyptian artifacts that were found in like caves in Illinois. <laughs> so they were really? they were in the Midwest. They were all over North America, yeah. not just. I, need that, I need that for my book because I want to always, I'm always researching and getting getting that in there. It's a big, you'll see my book. I have a one page of lots of different things. And uh, I would love to get that testimony for my book. That would be great. Or, you know, yeah. Just... Well, we'll send you the the documentary. You can watch it. Um, it's on our YouTube channel. But I'll. It's uh, Cahokia, the Cahokia Mounds, the Untold Story. But yeah, send um, me the link. Yeah, I'll send you the link whenever we're done here. Um, but Clifford is in it. If you know, yeah, if Clifford you know Mahoudi. Um, but do you know if... Clifford Mahoudi, the the Zuni yeah. elder? Yeah, yeah, he's in it. Oh, Clifford. Yeah, no, he, I had a comp. I had a conference going on for seven years called Sedona Cosmic Awakening, and he spoke at every single one of them. Nice. Yeah, yeah he's nice. yeah, yeah, he's great. And for the audience who hasn't seen the documentary yet, you can watch it on our YouTube channel or CahokiaUntold.com, and you can find the information there. And we have bonus footage for the documentary on our Patreon. If you want to go over there and sign up, that link is below. It's only five dollars. So. Um, do you want to let people know how they can find you, your website, and where they can get your books and what you offer? And then we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Um, all my books and my hard copy CDs are on thunderbeat.com. And you can do uh, and all my music on download, plus an audio book for my look up uh, ETs and Angels book is on my download site, which is called SiriusStargate.com, spelled like s-i-r-i-u-s stargate.com so we can maybe put that up on the you know the bottom here and mm-hmm. uh but the, yeah all the you can listen to my music for free on the download side and if you, whatever you'd like to download then you can download so it's all good <laughs> beautiful well thank amazing. you uh for joining us this is amazing and you have so many stories to tell and people need to hear this information and i think what you're discovering right now with the egyptian stuff in sedona and all over the united states is in fact that i think it's i think it's the next i think that's what needs to be known yes. uh, because that rewrites history and that and you know if we don't know where we came from how are we ever gonna get where we need to go you know we need to know our true history so that's right um, Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in. We love you all. We can't do this without you. Thank you for the donations, the support. Go sign up for the Patreon if you haven't. Uh, We just finished our Tartaria webinar, three and a half hours long, uh, tons of research. But um, if you're interested in that subject, head over there and check that out. And until next time, guys, have a great evening. We love you all. Yo, what's up, everyone? How you guys doing today? You guys feeling those vibes? Yeah, you know what it is, so check it out. So May 13th to 16th, Grafton, Illinois, Rebels of Disclosure Conference. Yeah, I'm pumped. It's going to be my first time in the States, first time going to a conference, first time seeing any of these speakers live, 
and the first time I'm going to get to meet hundreds of people that I've been chatting with and interacting with on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm so pumped. I did just check. They have the website up and running. It's looking really fresh. It has all the information on tickets, meal plans, uh, the schedule when the speakers are going to be speaking, um, information on all the speakers, frequently asked questions, and um, uh, where you can camp or uh, your lodgings for the weekend, as well information on where the event's going to be at, and it looks dope. I do believe that this is going to be the best year yet. Um, I may be biased because I'm going this year, but uh, that's just what I'm vibing. But yet, if you haven't checked out the website, go check it out. It's looking really good. I'm super excited, man. I've been following Tyler and Aaron for a long time. I really love their podcast and all the people they bring on. And the lineup this year looks so sick. So, and if you're going, I'm super excited to meet you. I'm going to give you a big hug. A big star seed squeeze, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, you guys, I hope you guys have an amazing day today. Send you guys lots of love. And man, I can't wait for this conference. Big ups, Aaron and Tyler. And yeah, guys, have a great day. Peace.